0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Connecting to the Big Show.
0: In three, two,
1: one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible.
2: Don't just hand over this drive. Educate yourself.
1: I welcome anything that will help to protect the children forever. Enough. The
2: same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96.
1: Text or WhatsApp 0833969696
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This
1: is the Opinion Line with P. DJ Coogan
2: on Cork's
3: 96 FM.
1: Glorious morning out there. Gonna get
4: very cold later in the week. What a weekend's weather. You see, this is why I say every year, when people start on at this, oh, 1st of February, 1st of spring thing, I say, <laughs> get out of it. I mean, tell me now. Tell me now how what just passed over this weekend was spring. Starts next week, 1st of March. 0818969696. 96 96. Cash cow back on the opinion line after 11 today. But I also have 500 euro furniture vouchers every day this week from the furniture centre on Watercourse Road. Tell you how we go about that a little bit later. Do you remember Roy, who I spoke to a few weeks ago, living in a log cabin? And there was a. An order from the council to demolish the thing. He couldn't finish it. It was barely livable because somebody had objected to it while he was doing it. Um, Talking to Roy again over the last couple of days, it it, it isn't getting any better for him or his partner. It's, It's not moving on at all. And the old argument about homework... We'll be reigniting that one again. We'll be hearing from a mom who reckons just for the sake of the sanity of the mothers of the world, it is time to get rid of the homework. Not so much the children and the pressure on the children. That's there. That's important. But just for the sake of the pressure on the mothers of the world. Uh, can we forget the homework thing, please? That's later too. 0818 96 96 96. But I mentioned the storms and two two particular incidents of severe storm damage on the north side of the city, Sean McCarthy is chair of Mayfield GAA. Sean, I saw your video. A lot of damage done up there. Good morning to you.
5: Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on. Not at all. Yeah, Describe what uh, happened. <clears throat> it's pretty horrendous what faced us on, on Friday morning when we went up to inspect the pitches, as we'd normally do after storms, to see what damage was be done. Which in our wildest dreams, we never expected to to see what faced us on Friday morning. It was absolutely unbelievable. But our whole netting structure behind our pitch, uh, which is our only floodlit pitch in the club, was uh, three poles were broken in half, and realistically, the whole the whole structure will have to be replaced because the netting and everything is torn now as well. Uh, it's just destroyed. These I, I will be the nets behind
4: the goals that catch a, a stray slitter or football. Is that it? That's exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It was it was unbelievable, you know. Uh, but thankfully, the, the, just the one good thing. If there is a good thing to come out of it, at least there was no one injured or hurt or anything like that. Absolutely.
4: You know? Were you? Did, did I see a goal? I saw your video. Did, was there a goalpost badly damaged as well? In that, was there?
5: Yeah, one one of the poles fell directly down on the crossbar, and as you can see in the video, um, it it has uh, buckled the the crossbar really in in real terms. The, the goal will have to be replaced as well. So that's just another addition to the uh, to to what we have to do to get things back in order again. Yeah. Does you know? the does the club have insurance for things like this? Well, we have insurance. We're, we're obviously we, we uh, notified our insurances on Friday. We're waiting on confirmation this morning if they if they need to assess it or whatever. Yeah. But uh, we're hoping everything will be covered anyway. Awesome. you know. But uh, overall, we've had good support from the community. In in the meantime, uh, it's going to cost us a lot of money to uh, to repair it, and obviously we're looking for support financially and otherwise to get the thing back up and running.
4: You know, sure. Like you said, the miracle is that nobody nobody was hurt, nobody was out. But like yeah. you, the pitch and the goal and the whole that'll be on you'll be unplayable for quite some time, will you?
5: Well, it's it's a it's a, a health hazard now. At this stage, there's no way we can use the pitch at the moment. And as I have already said, it's our ma- it's our flood- floodlit pitch, uh, okay. our juveniles, our ladies football, and our adult teams use it for training purposes, and we play matches there as well. But for the foreseeable future, we just won't be able to play anything on it at all. You know, okay. it's just closed. We'll just have to close it. That's it.
4: Are the are the lights damaged, Sean?
5: The there's there's two of the lights from from what we can see at the moment. I'm waiting for someone to come up to check them t- t- today. But uh, at the moment, there's two damaged. Um, so, uh, as of now, I don't know how many more will be damaged or are damaged, So, but I can say two, two are definitely gone. here,
4: well, I, wish, I wish you luck with that, and if there's anything we can do to help along the way, you know where we are. We're just a phone call away, Sean. Thank you for that. Sean McCarthy, Chair of Mayfield GAA, and good to know no one was hurt up there. Now, at Gronabraher, the Church of the Ascension, I saw this picture on Corkbio over the weekend. Councillor Nugent and Father Tomás Walsh, uh, both join me, uh, Father Thomas. I'll, I'll ask you first about the, the, what what happened to the spire. Just got caught in the wind, was it? Good morning to you. Uh, good morning.
6: Um, yeah, about half four yesterday afternoon, it was brought to my attention that the uh, that the cross was tilting. So uh, I went out, there wasn't, it was tilted all right, but there was kind of no movement there. But anyway, the fire brigade, we were advised to call in the fire brigade and they came and uh, they kind of evaluated the situation and kind of deemed the place unsafe until there was a kind of a structural steel report uh, on, uh, on it. So we're trying to get that done now this morning, actually.
4: And, and how old is the spire, Father Thomas?
6: Well, the the, the church was built in 1955, and um, the 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 cross was placed on it in
4: 1962.
6: So it has withstood many storms, really. Indeed. But uh, yeah.
4: would be it could be sixty years old, so. Would be yes, yeah. yeah. And is the church out of use now? Until uh, it, uh, it is until it's declared safe by the the engineer. Okay, stay there for me a second. Councillor Mick Nugent also joins me. Mick, good morning. A lot of, lot of, lot of storm morning. damage up there between between the church and the GAA club. Yeah,
6: I'm going go for the lads in, in, uh, in Mayfield. Um, and regarding the church ascension, yeah. I, I saw it last night on on social media. Um, a lot of people were posting about it um, and feeling it. I think Father Thomas over the last number of years has been fundraising uh, in terms of the roof. and had a big build there, you know. I yes. think that's ongoing. So, yeah, TJ, you probably know it. It's a kind of iconic church. Oh, and, and across, you know, when it's lit up red, it can be seen right across the city. So hopefully things won't be too serious there and it can be stabilised and, you know, mm. and whatever repairs need to be done. I think a lot of people would... Will be concerned uh, yeah. for the church and that and um,
4: hopefully things will be okay yeah. it's it's a it's a, a steel framed structure is it father
6: uh, it is um yeah it, uh, it's it's uh, actually it's uh, the, the 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 cross itself doesn't look it, but it's 15 uh 15 feet high above mm. the the roof level and it goes down through the roof to about 15 feet again and then it's embedded in the in the walls of the into the concrete,
4: it will give you some idea of the strength of the nature of the of the wind.
6: Yeah, and I think they're telling me it's an RSJ beam, and um, um, I think that they're telling me, but I'm not sure myself yeah. uh, that it's about ten inches by four inches. Crikey!
4: Wow! So it was well anchored down. I give it's you some well idea. There. Yeah.
6: And as I
4: say, it was many a worst storm, really. I'd say. Yeah, to with Ophelia and anything else that came before it, and and after it. You know, the people are great for for rallying around Father, and I know, you know, uh, Mick Councillor Nugent. This people will rally around to to make sure that projects like this and projects like the Gay Club are are supported. You know, rally rally the troops. If there's any trades people or anyone can help with the church or yeah. help with the Ga to get something sorted, you know? That's what people are liking, Cork. They're they're great for that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. When will you have the the engineers around, Father?
6: uh, I'm kind of... uh, At the moment, I'm looking for one, uh, but I've been on to uh, an an engineer, a civil engineer, who hopefully he'll come up with a name quickly. I I would hope that the church will be open in a day or two, really.
4: Well, if there's anybody listening... In in a civil engineering business, who'd be willing to go and take a look just now? I think that yeah. that that would yeah. be a good start, wouldn't it? Yeah, structural steel. Yeah, structural steel engineer. There's a few of them around. Yeah. Do you know? It's the Church of the Ascension in Granborough. If anybody is around, listing in an office, engineering office, or ferrum or steel, or knows anyone anything about steel or structural steel, get up there and have a look. Because apart from anything else, it, you want to make sure it's it's safe for people to go yeah. back in and out of the church. Do you know. And is there damage done inside? You said that the the cross is anchored way, way down. Is there damage done inside?
6: Uh, we don't know, really. I haven't been up there. I, 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 in fact, it was just too windy last night to go up, even from the inside. there's right. a kind of a, a vertical ladder up. Yes. And it was dark, so uh, anyway, we will be investigating that this morning ourselves. Okay.
4: OK, well, here's, here's hoping. Do it safely. Make sure this stays okay. safe up there. Uh, thanks, uh, Father Tomás Walsh at the Church of the Ascension and Councillor McNugent from the Cork Northwest Ward. Kate wants to know, could we put out some kind of a call for someone to help Mayfield GA to replace what was damaged? They have insurance, but they don't quite know what it'll cover uh, just yet. But if anybody does want to get up to that church, we can put. If you want to ring us here, we'll put you in touch with Father Tomas. If you want to have a look at that steel and engineer, structural engineer, civil engineer wants to prepare to have a look at the church, just to make sure whether, whether they can open it or not uh, for the people who want to go in and pray and go to mass and stuff like that. Thank you both. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, I tell you about this. We have a chance every day this week on the Opinion Line, a chance for you to transform your home with our friends at the Furniture Centre and Watercourse Road every single day this week. They've given us a €500 Euro voucher. And you can choose from a range of custom-made Irish suites or dining furniture or mattresses, free delivery of Irish-made sofas in just four to six weeks coming to you from the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road, which is a family-run business for over 40 years. What we've done is we've sent Fiona out to various parts of the city and what I want you to do is guess where she is. Now I will let you hear this a few times but where is Fiona? And what I want you to do is enter on text or WhatsApp at 083 396 96 96 You can enter I suppose as many times as you like. Just tell, tell us where Fiona is your name to 083 396 96, 96 96 by text or whatsapp and we'll pick a winner at the end of the show. i give you a few listens to this now.
0: I am in the centre of a village on the north side of the city I'm beside a church and a river and ahead of me is a shopping centre. Where am I?
4: Alright, do you want to hear that one more time?
0: I am in the centre of a village on the north side of the city I'm beside a church and a river and ahead of me is a shopping centre. Where am I?
4: Where is Fiona? And your name to 083-396-9696. 96 96.
1: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home,
2: business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie Let's
1: go! We roll out the biggest hits. Weeknights from 8 on Cork's 96FM.
3: The
2: Hit Mix. 100% hits from the best music mix. The Hit
3: Mix. The Hit Mix.
1: The
0: Hit next with Shane Bucks. Weeknights 8 till late.
1: Only on Cork's 96 FM.
4: If your entry is 083 396 96 96.
0: I am in the centre of a village on the north side of the city. I'm beside a church and a river and ahead of me is a shopping centre. Where am I?
4: Where is she indeed? Where is Fiona? Your name and the location please. 083 396 96 96. Now Tina... I've heard of hyperemesis. Obviously, the most famous sufferer of all was it? Was it? Um, was it Kate Middleton? Um, she was the one who put it in the headlines a few years ago. But you've suffered it yourself. What's it like? Good morning.
7: Good morning, PJ. Firstly, thank you for asking me to come on, and um, I suppose thank you to shows like yours for giving women like me the opportunity to raise awareness about hyperemesis, because as you say thank God for Kate Middleton having it, or, you know, I think the medical profession or most of the medical profession would think we're off our heads completely. Um, Unfortunately, yes, I suffer from the condition Um, back in 2012. I got married when I was 38, so I'll give you a very brief synopsis. Mm -hmm. And um, we kind of said at that stage, look, you know, if children happen, they happen, and if they don't, they don't. So um, we were delighted to find out I was pregnant when I was 41. And uh, we had our gorgeous baby, Lauren, who is now ready to turn six. But when I discovered I was pregnant, so I did the test and it was, um, you know, two to three weeks and we were delighted. And literally two days later, I started feeling sick. And I said, okay, this morning sickness, this Mm. is what it's all about. Um, But it was getting more severe and more severe at a very rapid level. And so to the point that I just said, okay, I, I better just go to the GP and just check everything's okay. So went to the GP and I suppose the one thing I would like to bring across as well is that if there is anybody listening to this that thinks or knows that they're suffering from hyperemesis, Mm. you know, if you don't get the answers to the first line of medical professional, you come to just keep going to the next and to the next, because that's what happened to me. Unfortunately, my own GP wasn't there at the time, and I saw a different GP and I explained, and I was literally empty reaching as I was in there. And she just said to me, "Look, I've had three children. I've had to work through morning sickness, all my three pregnancies, and this is the way it is. You either accept that or you don't." Mm-hmm. And
3: I was a bit I,
4: that was a bit dismissive, to, to say the very least. But like morning sickness, well, first of all, I've had enough pregnant colleagues over the years and, and indeed I'm a father of two myself so I remember my wife with, with morning sickness and first of all the myth is it only happens in the morning it can happen anytime. but this is this is you just can't stop
7: You just can't stop I, I think it's an unfortunate connection the wording um, morning sickness uh, connected to hyperemesis because um, from my experience and I can only speak about my experience but I was a very severe into the scale um, they're, they're nothing to do with each other to be quite mm-hmm. honest because morning sickness you can still to some degree you can function you can go to work it may not be easy but you can go to work and you can function and you know that it kind of maybe levels off mm. towards a certain week in the pregnancy yeah. with hyperemesis for me it started at week 3 and I was getting sick maybe 50 times a day, violently getting sick to, I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink, um, to the point that the only way I can explain it is I lived my my first five and a half months of my first pregnancy in CUMH or on my bathroom floor or on my hands and knees on the bed because I couldn't get to the the bathroom to be sick. It's almost, you know, you're just throwing up bile and the pain up your esophagus from it. The only way I can explain it, PJ, is if you can imagine that you are being violently sick, but Mm. there is somebody in the corner of the room with a remote control, and the second that you have a bout of sickness, that you go to try and draw your breath, they press the button and you go again. So you are almost choking.
4: You literally cannot breathe, cannot stop to breathe. You literally
7: cannot stop. And anything can set you off for, for myself personally. Um, even the smell of my own skin would have set me off. Lord. Any kind of food. Um, you know, I can remember one time my husband, <laughs> he was working in Limerick and he came in the front door. He had had a coffee before he left Limerick and obviously we we're in Cork. And um, I just had to shout at him to get out of the house. It was like he put a bag of coffee beans over my head. I couldn't breathe and I, I just started off again. Good God. It's, you know, it's a a horrific...
4: How do you function, Tina, when that's you right? can't.
7: That, that's, that's the thing, and I think that's what an awful lot of people do not understand. You know, I would have met people over the years and they would say the old thing, you know, oh, I had really severe morning sickness as well. Have you tried ginger biscuits, ginger tea, ginger, ginger, ginger? <laughs> and you're going, no, this is not severe just morning sickness. The smell sickness.
4: of ginger is half the problem. Exactly.
7: <laughs> the smell of my own skin is the problem. You know, it's, it's just There is anything and everything can set it off. It's horrific.
4: There is a medicine, I believe, called, is it caravan?
7: Yes. Now, when I was pregnant with Lauren back in 2016, she was born, um, caravan wasn't available to me. So I've had the experience of two pregnancies, one with caravan, one without. So back in 2016, when it wasn't available, I spent the first five and a half months to six months in CUMH with drips in one arm or both arms. They tried every type of medication available and nothing worked for me, just nothing worked. Um, so Lauren was born at 36 weeks. Now, I was extremely lucky and I'll always be grateful for the care I had under Professor Louise Kenny. And Lauren was born unusually at uh, 36 weeks and she was 8 pounds 8. An awful lot of high babies um are born underweight, so maybe four pounds, five pounds. So I am always very grateful for that. Whatever way my body worked, you know, she literally just sucked everything I had. So she was healthy. I wasn't.
3: Mm -hmm.
7: But um, then I found out I was pregnant uh, during lockdown. So my second daughter, Ria, was born when I was 46. um, And she was born in 2021. And I went to Dr. Matt Hewitt, who, again, amazing, amazing man. And he put me on caravan. Mm-hmm. And from my previous experience now also to just try and explain to people, you know, for one split second, I did the pregnancy test because I knew the feeling. And I just went, oh, my God, this is amazing. Lauren is going to have a baby brother, or sister. And, you know, I'm 45, 46 years old. This, this is just the stuff of America miracles, the stuff of dreams or yeah, so Yeah, but you happy. must have thought
4: as well, Christ, what am I facing?
7: Ten seconds later, you're going, oh my God, I'm facing into this nightmare again. How the hell am I going to get through this? Mm. But I will say, because of my pre- previous experience, I knew to go to an experienced person, medical professional in premises, So that's where Matt came in and he was fantastic. He put me on caravan mm. and... Again, being the severe end of the scale, I mean, I was still feeling beyond absolute rubbish. (laughs) But Carabin kept me out of hospital. It kept me from having to get IVs. Um, I would get up in the morning, just about be able to get myself up in the morning and take Lauren to creche. I'd come home back into bed. I still wasn't really able to eat very much or drink very much. It was very, very, very limited. Mm -hmm. Um, But I could function at a very, very basic level. Mm -hmm. And when you have another child, the difference to be able to function to a basic level or be in hospital for five or six months on IVs is massive. It's just massive.
4: The problem with Caravan is it is expensive to start with, but also... It's not covered on the medical card and it's not covered on the drug payment scheme. Why?
7: I would love to know that, PJ. (laughs) Yeah, It's, it's a bit of a mystery to me and anybody else who suffers with this condition because it's essential. It's an absolute... Now, I will be very honest, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. But for the percentage of women it does work for, it changes your life to be able to function, especially when you have other children. Um, But the cost of it is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, over the course of my pregnancy, so it's roughly, when I was on it now, it was 45 euro per box. So I was on two boxes per week. That's 90 euro. That was 3,000 euro over the course of my pregnancy. But that wasn't the only thing that I was on.
4: And sorry, no, not on the drug payment scheme.
7: No, it's not. So, you know... When I found out I was pregnant, obviously being so sick from week three of the pregnancy, that was my work gone completely. So we're down one salary straight away. Now we're living on one salary. And because of the high risk, I know everybody can't do it. But thank God I had health insurance and I was able to go to Matthews and attend him. And on top of that cost, I had the 3,000 euro of the caravan. On top of that cost, I was also on uh, oprimazole because of the acid and everything yeah. that, and the bile that's coming up all of the time. But you have women who are on three or four different drugs as well as caravan to survive. This is a or, bit like
4: something I was talking about a few weeks ago. Uh, diabetes during pregnancy... Every Absolutely. other diabetic yes. patient in the country has free drugs, but those patients don't
7: it's it's very 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 frustrating and you know i I hate having to refer to this I really do, but I do think it's something that shows the thinking the thinking behind uh, decisions um, that are made you know. Any, any man can walk in, get his prescription for Viagra, and he's entitled to four tablets per month on the drug scheme. And if that's needed, that's absolutely fine. I have no issue with that. My issue is that that man can go out and get somebody pregnant. And that woman does not have the same right... To walk in and get her prescription, and walk into the chemist and get a drug or a tablet that is going to save her from being in hospital for most of her pregnancy, that's going to allow her to function basically for her pregnancy, and that's going to protect her and her baby, and that's going to keep her out of the medical, the hospital system, which will reduce costs in the in in the hospitals. Mm. It's it's a terror. I hate, as I say, having to refer to it, but it's. It's the reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate at the moment that Stephen Donnelly is looking, you know, he does have the women's tasks Force looking at this. But when is a decision going to be made? There are women suffering now. As I'm speaking, there are women probably not knowing that they have premises and they're sitting on their bathroom floor trying to puke into the toilet. And, you know, it, it is a horrific eight or nine months to live, it takes a physical toll, it takes an extraordinary mental toll.
3: yeah,
4: I imagine it could do permanent damage to your body
7: absolutely like um, I have to say, I probably got away lightly now with my second pregnancy, unfortunately, I had obstetric coleostasis as well towards the eight, the last eight weeks um so I had my gallbladder removed um four and a half months after having Ria. But when you have hyperemesis and you're you're facing into having your baby, you know, in a normal pregnancy, you have some sort of energy left that says, now, baby is coming now, we can look forward to this part. When you go into to have your baby after hyperemesis pregnancy, you have nothing left. Absolutely nothing. You are so drained.
3: Yeah.
7: And then I had a C-section as well. So by the time you're trying to get your body healthy to heal from all of that, you're not only trying to get your physical body back, you're trying to get your mental state yeah. back because you have fought through so much. And sometimes I do think that with these sorts of decisions, you know, if Stephen Donnelly stood back for one moment and just looked at somebody one day in the life of, a woman with of what she has to go through from the second she opens her eyes in the morning to try and take that deep breath to say, how am I going to get through today? I have to get through today. There's no other way. I, I have to find something in me to get through today. If he saw his wife, his daughter, his sister on the bathroom floor suffering premises the way I did, and I will only speak for myself, I think he... and ent- two seconds flat would make the decision to push carabin on the drug scheme card. Because even if it goes on the medical card, we'll just say for me, we were down one salary as soon as I was pregnant. We were able to manage to afford the carabin every month, which I was mm. very grateful for and lucky for. But there are so many people that, that can't. Yeah. You and, know, and they they've just to...
4: and they've just cut the drugs payment scheme down to 80 quid now which would make it an awful lot more affordable if they wouldn't do it for free as they do with some with some meds so you're asking Stephen Donnelly and anyone connected to him now have another if whatever you're going to do do it quickly
7: I would ask them to actually get in contact with somebody they know that's currently suffering from high premises there is a high premises support group on Facebook high Ireland and we are the I suppose the most experienced women when it comes to hyperemesis more than any consultant because we have all lived it or are living through it at the minute. Right. And spend two hours with one woman who is suffering hyperemesis and what you will see will make you put caravan on okay. the drug scheme card all right. immediately.
4: Alright, Tina, I will leave it there. Thank you very much and wish you well. And your two beautiful kids wish you well, the family. Yeah. This one, the reason would seem, thanks Tina, the reason would seem to be that it is classed as a food supplement and therefore that is why it's not on the payment scheme. That would seem to be the reason. I was shocked to discover after, I remember covering the whole Kate Middleton story a few years ago and the number of people who had had hyperemesis who were listening to the programme and described it to me what it's like couldn't you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy 0818 96, 96, 96.
3: Can we just talk
1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM With
2: McCarthy Insurance Group Call in person or call them now They don't just talk the talk they walk the walk CMIG.ie <laughs>
1: We've got thousands, thousands. and thousands, thousands and thousands of euros to give away. Much moolah can you milk from the Cork's 96FM cash cow.
2: Get the morning password with Casey and Ross from 6am. Then listen across the day for your chance to play. play.
1: play. Take on the Cork's 96FM cash cow.
2: To win mega moolah. Win
1: mega moolah.
2: With Mahan Point. For fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Mahan Point. See mahanpointsc.ie. Me my moolala.
1: Only on Courts 96FM.
4: So you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, you might remember I spoke to Roy Long. Uh, Roy had closed his business, Long Leash uh, Training, the canine training. He closed his business because of the sheer stress of what he and his partner were going through. They'd built a little log cabin, or rather they had half built a little log cabin on his father's land with the full permission of his father. The only thing they didn't do was seek planning permission. And then an objection went in and they went to seek retention permission and that's where the trouble started. And uh, when I spoke to Roy last time out, he'd written in desperation to both the Taoiseach and the housing minister because there's an enforcement order on his little half-built shack that if he so much as tries to put a lick of paint on it to finish it off, it'll get pulled down. Here's what Roy told me the last day.
8: The departments in the county council might as well be in different countries. There's no communication between them. But the lads in enforcement are incredibly understanding. Mm. They don't want to do this.
4: And has anyone said to you, Roy, throughout the whole process, in the council, in enforcement, anywhere, look, here's how you go about fixing this. Has anyone offered you a solution?
8: not once they're just looking at whatever details pertain to their job as in I'm a planner you didn't have planning this doesn't have planning I'm enforcement you've an enforcement order this is what we have to enforce there there's no help from anyone whatsoever
4: so it's a couple of weeks ago I spoke again to Roy at the weekend
8: so Roy we spoke
4: recently about your situation you explained about this um if you want half built log cabin in which you're currently not so much living as existing. And you'd gone to the point where you had written to the Taoiseach and written to the Minister for Housing. So you got a response.
8: Yeah. Um, I got a response um, two weeks after I was promised a response, and it was only when I had emailed them to kind of remind them that I was waiting on it. And, yeah, as I I sent it on to to have a read-off, and mm. it's very much a case of the first two, three lines are the kind of obligatory offering of kind of sympathy or understanding. Then it's just like it was a very big response to be fair to them, but about seventy-five percent of it is just drilling home the fact that it's not his responsibility or it's nothing to do with them or that it's inappropriate for them to to comment, which is amazing, seeing as what actually triggered me to write to him in the first place was him commenting quite publicly on Kelly Harrington's situation. I suppose I don't have the Olympic medal to, to warrant that interjection, you know?
4: Yeah. Like, they said to you, well, will you sympathise with the situation in which you find yourself? Um, then they go to explain to you Hap and probably a lot of stuff you already understand.
8: Oh, well, I, I know it inside out at this stage. Like, I could tell you how it all works, you know? I've looked at every single angle for it.
4: Yeah, and, and they almost, I way I was reading it, was they practically told you how you got into the situation you're in yourself.
8: Exactly. That's exactly it.
4: Yeah. But no solutions offered?
8: No, none whatsoever. And I actually, I wasn't aware that he was actually also the Minister for Planning, because (laughs) when you look at the letter, it's actually as if it's the same thing um, done out twice. Mm. One from the perspective of the Minister for Housing and one as the Minister for Planning, but they both come to the same kind of conclusion that... The, the ministers had, seemed to have no involvement in their departments whatsoever and were actually under somewhat of a divine rule as civil servants that's very much the way it was made out
4: yeah the last time you told me about how this was all affecting your mental health
8: so yeah. it was a fairly rough week oh um, unbelievable like as you can probably appreciate like as somebody with social anxiety I think I was mentioning it to you the last time the yeah. whole like, concept of going public is literally triggering your worst nightmare like, I I haven't been into the local shop since. Um, I, like, I'm leaving the house, but mostly just in the care. I I'm reluctant to even get out of the care. You know, um, it's made things a lot worse for me personally, and nothing has actually come from it. Hmm.
4: You mean the response, rather than? Talk? I'd hate to think that talking to me was responsible
8: for that. No, no, no. Well, like, it's it's all it's all one and the same. It wasn't just talking to you. It would have been other radio stations and newspapers, and yeah. you know, it was. It was every day for about two weeks. There, like,
4: yeah, it was a very brave thing to do, but you 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 paid a price for it mentally. And then the the letter coming, that just was that was the icing.
8: Yeah, it was just all for nothing. Like, yeah, and uh, I would have been in contact with the local councillor that's kind of helping us since, but like, they have no power over the, the local authorities either because he's very much giving me the same kind of advice anyway. Like, I was kind of. My worst fears were confirmed the last time I was talking to him where I was told that like, the idea of getting a house like, is just not going to happen. The best that can come of our housing application is that we'll be granted HAP. Mm. And when he was saying this to me, I said, you know that there was a report this week that there was only a thousand rental co- properties throughout the entire country mm. and 90% of rental units are beyond the HAP limits anyway. So yeah. we're right back in the situation that led us to building the log cabin in the first place, which is not being able to find any availability in the rental market.
4: Yeah, and we also talked the last time about a simple drive around will reveal boarded up places all yeah. over the shop.
8: But in any in any of my correspondence or it's with local councillors, local authorities, or even the letter to the minister himself, there's no response to any of those points they only respond to the points that they can confidently respond to and they just, like, there's been no answer to why there are so many border-up houses in any of my correspondence to anyone. Mm. Or why it's so impossible for us to kind of avail of one, you know? Mm.
4: They just seem to duck around that question.
8: Oh, yeah, it's, it's all, like, sidestepping accountability is just exactly what their main goal is. Mm. It's, it's all just kind of self-preservation, kind of.
4: So presumably you've, you've sat down and talked this latest thing through with your partner. What's the plan now?
8: So we've just been talking and just realised that we are very much at a stalemate, that their approach is just for us to kind of wait this out and wait for the, the rental market to stabilise again, you know.
3: yeah.
8: Be again, until we can kind of house ourselves by our own means. And it's been two years now of living like this. I... I can't see myself doing this for another even five or six months. Mm. So now we're just looking at job offers in the UK. Um, There's great opportunities for the two of us in terms of work over there. Um, The rent is unbelievable. Like we were even looking there at Leeds, and they're the same prices and availability of when I was around 18. So kind of two bed houses for 650 to 800 per month.
4: Crikey, and what's that here now? It's over two grand?
8: Oh yeah, like eighteen hundred, two
4: thousand. Yeah, I think I I think you've you've effectively have no option. But I suppose it'll break your heart to go with it.
8: Oh yeah, like I I didn't want to do that. From you know, my thing was I wanted to build up my business here in Cork. Yeah, like we're a little bit behind in terms of dog ownership and everything like that. And it was I wanted to be part of kind of growing things here not to take my business elsewhere, you know where there's markets more established and a bit more competition but even at that there's there's great opportunities for me over there
4: Effectively what has happened is the system has forced you and your partner to seriously consider emigration
8: Yeah, and this isn't the first time, this is a cycle that seems to be repeating itself in our history
4: Yeah I don't know what to say to you
8: I know like uh, I'm dealing with this from everyone, you know. I, I, I almost hate making people feel guilty that they can't offer kind of immediate solutions, you know. Mm.
4: Yeah. No, it's an it's an awful situation in which you find yourself. So, so when, like, you're you're making plans, I think as we speak, are you?
8: Yeah, we're just sending out um, applications for different jobs and stuff, and, or you know, just see how it, it going to over the next couple of weeks.
4: Yeah. And would you have enough? squirrelled away to get yourself based over there like if you had to go over and pay a deposit and stuff
8: No absolutely no. not but mm. we don't really have an option at this stage like the way we're looking at it it's like um, it's either like living in the care here or living in the care in Leeds or Manchester or something and I think we'd be better off in that situation over there
4: Roy well, I, I hope that the next time we speak that you will have changed your mind and something will have happened for you but somehow I, I don't think that's going to be the case
8: No I don't either
4: your your little business will be a great loss to Cork because the first time you and I were supposed to talk, it was about that very business.
8: Yeah.
4: All right. Roy, good luck to you and good luck to your partner.
8: No problem. Thanks very much for all your help, BJ. I really appreciate it.
4: Such a thoroughly nice guy, and to think that his only option now as he sees it from himself and his girlfriend Partner is to head off and play their trade in the UK rather than here. Says so much, doesn't it? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Keith O'Connor, you've also been in touch uh, with the opinion line uh, about something to do with yourself and and uh, and housing. Tell me more. Good morning.
9: How are you, PJ? How's things?
4: Good, good.
9: I didn't, PJ, I didn't just say I get up. No, just never rent the corporation. Rent away, but by I rent know Just shocking. I have a brother-in-law, PJ. He's a four-bedroom house, copulation house, right? He can't keep it. He can't manage it. Mm -hmm. He's on his own inside the house. And he went for the transfer or a smaller house or whatever, and he's told he can't get one because he's in a small bit of a real. Who's going to do money, PJ, at this moment? Everybody owes money.
4: How severe are his arrears? I mean...
9: (laughs) But it doesn't, I, I, I know a man down the road, PJ, he owes the bank 150,000. Yeah, I no, yeah. And do you know it. what I mean? And he's still paying off. And whatever he's aware of is, he's paying extra every week now anyway, do you know?
4: Yeah, to try and sort it out. Yeah.
9: To just that, PJ, when he was there, he looked after his grandmother up there. Yeah, yeah, Right? So she done all the bills. And you know something, he didn't even know. Young people today don't even know they have to pay rent when the mother's good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They wouldn't have the brain of it, but I mean, and another team. He, j- he just right? wants
4: to downsize. The house is too big for him, and he Locking. no longer wants it. And somebody else with a family could have it.
9: Do you go, Peter? And the houses around the corner from them brand new houses, two bedrooms. Yeah, they're, they're locked up for the last eight months. I don't know where the corporation not knock them out. Yeah, to the same above in, in uh, Kilmore Road. There's houses up there, that' The building is have to stop at all to get them done, no? Yeah. And another thing, teacher There's corporations are taking corporation houses to give them to the corporation, meant to have their cup of tea the day. Does,
4: yeah, there's a house... People keep on at this about us, Keith. There's a house up somewhere up on the north side. I'm not entirely sure where. I've had forgotten. But it is a, a, a council house in the middle of a, of, a, of a road is being used as a canteen. We've had that... To-
9: he P- did five houses up here being used as canteens. Not only cock operation, this cock partnership, no just twenty euros a week they're supposed to go walking for. Yeah. Right? They have houses as well effort because if you're going into meet them for your twenty euros a week you're going to give a couple of years and I was talking to him.
4: Yeah, yeah. And and but what, what your brother is trying to do is get himself into a smaller place so that the big place he's clattering around in all on all his own could be given to a young family.
9: PJ, there you go. And I don't need that, PJ. Right? He can't heat all the rooms. So in other words, you're going to get dampness. The face is going to fall down around him. He has to come off the rides in in certain rooms. So you know, he just can't. He just can't handle it. Yeah. You know, it's a complete
4: disgrace. And have they told him that the only reason they won't consider him for a transfer is because of the arrears? Because of the arrears. That's what it
9: is. That's what they're told in the arrears. And, uh, no one one other thing about the corporation, you know, as I said, I didn't just wake up and I said I'd They're sending out inspectors are out to private landlords checking the houses they want to go away, PJ, and check their own houses there, because they're keeping their boilers and not working. They have no heating. There's dampness. The windows are a disgrace altogether. I've had
4: women crying on the phone here the last couple of weeks about the situation in which they find themselves. Absolutely.
9: And there there you go, PJ, and there's corporation there, that's going around there, that's sending men out, checking checking the private landlords. Yeah. Do you want to go in, Captain? Tell on there. I said I must have been, I on know, onto the councillors in the north side. Yes. And I wanted of them. That's what got back onto me. Right. Now one of them, and I told one of them, I said, do "You know what I do? I'm going to run against you." I said, "The next election, and even if I have to take 200 votes off you, yeah, I take them off
3: you."
9: Yeah. Right. Do you know, it's it is They're inside City Hall. They're there, they said, "The long we only got his room don't there, and I ago go there for half a million. Half a I that, was a while ago,
4: that was a while ago, Keith. I think, but I know, I know the point that you're making. They seem to have, they seem to have plenty of money to spend on other things, but they they they, they don't want to move you or brother.
9: And here you go. <sighs> and I tell you, one other thing, though, PJ, right? And I, I not blame the people. No, the pirate thing up the country.
4: Oh, the pirate and the mica, yeah, yeah, right.
9: Why is the government paying? Why are we paying a billion for that when the bills the um, engineers, yeah. the block, the fellas that, that made the blocks, the fellas that the That's a did brilliant question. Time.
4: That's a brilliant question, Keith. Absolutely brilliant question and the one to which I can't find an answer.
9: I tell you why, that's because and the gallery inside, they're there, that's what the and the and leave all the big boys alone. Because I know, I know the fellas that made them blocks.
3: Right, right.
4: well, right, well don't be naming I'm anybody now. Oh no, I
9: won't name them. Right, right, right. right. And when all this started to come out, that's
4: all they've done was change your name, the cookie name. Yeah. All right. Listen, I, I hope that your brother gets some kind of a solution soon. But you look, you put your finger on a lot of stuff that, that's going on that people just can't understand around the place. Keith, thanks. 0818 96 96 96. On hyperemesis, Collar says I had hyperemesis on both my pregnancies. It is not just plain morning sickness. I had to be in bed for eight weeks with my first child five weeks with my second and I had to take Zofran just to be able to function.
3: Can we just talk?
1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group.
2: Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. (laughs) Cmig.ie.
1: The lines are live.
2: And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96,
1: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96.
2: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
1: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On
2: Cork's
4: 96FM.
1: Yeah, the cash
4: cow back on the
1: Opinion Line after 11
4: o'clock today. We'll play another game with more moolah to give away in between... Ken Parrot's out about, Out and about With the cow And the street fleet
1: team We're in Mahon Point This Monday morning And I'm right here next To the 96 FM Cash cow She has still got Loads and loads Of moolah To give away And if you'd like to enter From here Well all you have to do Is pop down Take a selfie With our cash cow Bang it up On your Instagram story And tag us At Corks 96 FM And that's all you have to do With thanks to Mahan Point Catch a movie Explore over 60 stores Or shop till the cows come home On Thursday. And Fridays with Mahanpoint sc.ie. I'm Ken Paris with the Street Fleet on Corks ninety six FM.
4: Yeah, more moolah getting give out after eleven o'clock on the opinion line on Corks ninety six. And this is a story you're going to hear more about this uh, story broke there in the last few minutes. Phil Hogan, big Phil Hogan. <laughs> he may look for compensation after having had to step down as EU commissioner in the wake of Golfgate. Of course, the whole court case, you see, fell apart. Was it last month or the month before? And now it looks like Big Phil may I look for compensation. Oh, my goodness me. 0818 96, 96, 96 Now, Paul, you have a problem with the driving license service. Explain it to me. Good morning to you. Is he there? See, see, can you get him there for me, Fiona? He's not coming up on the line. Just getting back to Roy's situation um, with regard to building the house. This came in by WhatsApp. If I understand correctly, if he continues to build, authorities will knock it down. That's correct. But there's no way to get planning permission. Would it be easier for him to knock it down or knock it down himself? Then the plot is practically empty and try to get planning permission. I'm not very familiar with the law. I know there's debt and everything, but at least he'd move from where he is. Yeah, he could knock it down and start again with a brand new application or even from where he is, start again with a brand new application. He just doesn't have the money. It would cost him about three and a half grand to start from scratch and do it again. Unfortunately, uh, the person who put in the original objection no longer lives in the house where they lived at the time. And the person who now lives there has no problem with Roy doing what he wants to do. But he he just can't afford to go back to the start again. 96. You there, Paul? I am. indeed. Good morning. How are you? How you? Bye. You're trying to get a driver's
10: license. No, I'm not. It's not that I'm trying to get one. What is? What's going to be happening is when the news news come out there at ten o'clock on Friday that the driving license office is going to be closed and going online. That's yeah. going to disrupt the amount a huge amount of people because the driving license department are adamant and only taken an online applications with a public service card. Right. They won't give you a driving license if you don't have a public service card. Okay. And yet the Supreme Court ruled you don't need the retention by the social Department of Social Well excuse me, welfare of your data is
4: illegal and to be used by anyone else but them. Right. The public service? I, I have a public service card. Um, we, we we all have, <laughs> yeah, but we fucking, all have it in the White They're, making, they're, they're yeah. making it impossible to get a license unless you have a public service card. Yeah. Mm. But that wasn't what the Supreme Court ruled
10: on. The Supreme Court ruled that the retention of your data on the cards is a leak that can't be used bar, beyond the social Department of Social... Uh, welfare. Sure. Yeah. So why the but the uh, the NDLA are demanding the use of a public service card? Yeah. Public, you don't need a public service card to get a driving license. When you apply for a driving license, it's a passport and, and birth certificate you need.
4: Correct. Yeah. But now to get it online, they're saying you have to have. I didn't know this. You,
10: you have, have to yeah. have yeah. a okay. public service card. They won't. They won't let you onto the application without one. Let's
4: see. Even though you may have a previous license that you're trying to renew, unless you, yeah, they'll do it in the office, but not online. Right, and the offices are closing because they're trying to put as much of it online as possible. Well, that's it. Yeah. Do you have a public service card?
1: No, I don't.
10: Public, mm. what's what good is a public service card to me? Does it come to get me on a flight? No. Is it used as a val- Identification? No. Mm. Will it open up a bank account for me? No. Will a passport? Yes. Will a driving license? Yes.
4: Mm. Mm. For dealing with the the the
10: the the NDLA do not need uh, the data that's stored on the public service card. The Department of Social Welfare have made it theirs, but they're the only ones
4: that can use it. Yeah yeah. Like if you ever were, de- were dealing with the Department of Social uh, Protection You'd probably have to have a card
10: Yeah But why? But the, NDNA, the NDLA or the department that looks after driving licences Have no need to be
4: looking for a public service card Okay Well we'll put it out there See what our, our, what our listeners think Thank you for that Does anybody know why you have to have a public service card To get a driver's licence? Surely, as Paul says, and he does have a valid point, your birth cert, your passport, are valid forms of ID. So why why not accept a birth cert or accept a passport for your driver's license? Why need, Why do you need no Now, look, I have a public service card. It doesn't bother me in the, in, in the least. There's, there's, there's nothing contained on it that is of any use to anybody. I just have one. I used to actually used to use it when we had to use ID to get into pubs and restaurants and stuff for the vaccine stuff. Uh, I used to use it as my ID with my pass. So that's about the best, and that's the only time I've kind of used it at all. 0818 Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. But Paul says to get a driver's license online from here on in, you will have to have a public service card, and he doesn't believe he should have to have one. He doesn't want to have one. Your thoughts? Welcome at 0818 96 96, 96. Now, we have another giveaway this week, as well as the cash cow. She's back after 11, with loads more moolah for you. Our friends at the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, are celebrating with us all this week on the Opinion Line. A voucher every day this week for the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road for €500. Euro. Not to be sniffed at, you can choose from a range of custom-made Irish suites or dining furniture or mattresses and free delivery of Irish-made sofas in just four to six weeks with the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road, a family-run business now for over 40 years. And here we're doing right? We've got Fiona is out on the road is out checking out places of interest and she wants you to guess where she is. All right, we start off with a nice easy one today. Where is Fiona?
0: I am in the centre of a village on the north side of the city. I'm beside a church and a river and ahead of me is a shopping centre. Where am I?
4: Where is she? Where do you give us her location and your name to 083 396 96, 96 by text or WhatsApp and we will pick a winner around 5 to 12. And I'll play the audio for you a couple more times if you are struggling. Although, to be honest with you, you're not. We are flooded with answers, which is great. Now, Friday last, we were talking to people about Lyme disease. And uh, we contacted afterwards by Sylvia, who has had successful treatment for Lyme disease. I'll come to that in a sec. But remind us again what Dr. Jack Lambert had to say about Lyme's disease and the recognition of Lyme disease by the system in this country. Remember, Dr. Lambert is easily the leading figure in treatment and diagnosis of Lyme disease in the country. And he's been saying for many years that the HSE and the authorities and doctors in general just don't seem to get it with regard to Lyme's disease. Here's a quick clip of what Jack was saying to me on Friday.
9: I mean, there's very little recognition of Lyme disease. I mean, most most doctors that I I encounter say, oh, does Lyme exist in Ireland? You know, many of them say, well, it's only in America, it's not in Europe, and it is in Europe, and then if a patient comes and says, I think I've got Lyme disease, I, I mean, uh, the, the, the medical practitioner, in my experience, often just refuses to do a Lyme test or puts the patients who think they've got Lyme disease into that crazy bin. They must be crazy because they think they have Lyme disease. So yeah, that's my experience of the patient's experience when, when they raise the issue of Lyme disease uh, to,
4: to many consultants and, and GPs. Talk to Sylvia next.
3: Can we just talk?
1: The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM With
2: McCarthy Insurance Group Call in person or call them now They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk cmig.ie dot
4: 96FM As always, we had a huge response following my conversation with Dr Lambert and a couple more people Friday With regards to uh, Lyme's disease, it's out there, it's prominent, and people talk about it when you give them the opportunity to do so. Sylvia, things worked out well for you, but it was a long, hard road. Good morning.
11: Yes, indeed, PJ. Good morning. It was a very long, hard road, and thank you for having me on to speak this morning.
4: What's your story?
11: okay um I'll have you all day um no it's i started it started for me in about 2016 i got a bite on the back of my my calf Um we have a holiday home up in spanish point and it was up there and it was quite a sizable bite and i never did anything about it and my daughter said to me at the time my adult daughter said mom you want to be looking after that she said that could be limes and i kind of said oh, don't be silly there's no such thing as limes and I was sorry I didn't listen to her because at the end of that summer, in September, I was back at school and I started to feel very unwell. Mm. And it was like a flu that wouldn't go away.
3: Yeah.
11: And then from from then on, my health went downhill very, very quickly over the years. And I was getting really, really ill. I was missing an awful lot of time from school. Um, I was just under terrible pressure. Um, I was really sick. I was in pain. Couldn't get up out of the bed some days. Sometimes I couldn't even walk from the chair to the door. It was so bad. Didn't know what it was. Was sent to a lot of rheumatologists with this, that and the other. Same story as some of your listeners on, or with some of the people you had on on Friday there, you know, thinking it was fibromyalgia, it was costochondritis, it was this, that and the other. And in the end, um, I got onto it. We formed a local group here. Just amongst ourselves, because I got in contact with other people through TikTok Ireland and yeah. um, who had Lyme's as well or had family members with Lyme's. And I met a few people and one person in particular told me that they had just come back from London and there was a Lyme's clinic there. Right. In the meantime, I had already booked to go into a John Lambert's clinic, but there was an eight month waiting list. So I thought, right, I'll do this. I phoned them on the Friday. And I phoned phoned them on a Monday and the following Tuesday week, I was actually sitting in the clinic in London. I had no money in my wallet and the charge was £1,600. And I was saying, oh, my God, I don't know where I'm going to get this. So I I had a very good family member with me, my husband's cousin, whom I'm staying with a lot. Very good to me when I was over and back to London and they paid it for me. And then I had to come home. And get a big fat loan which I'm still paying off Mm. and yeah and that's how I that's how I was able to manage to go over and back over and back but I did miss an awful lot of time in work and it did have a major impact on my time at work. And
4: what kind of treatment was it? Was it antibiotics based or what?
11: Yes, it was. it was. First of all, they started me off on three antibiotics. They do all the testing again. So I was tested three times. Yeah. First time I was tested was here in Cork and COH. It was negative. Yeah. Second time I was done, they did it, um, I did it myself actually with Armin Laboratories and my GP read the results. It was positive. And then they did it in London. It, was up, it came up positive again. So they knew what they were dealing with then. And I had quite a few underlying infections as well going on. Yeah. So I started off with three antibiotics and a couple of months in then they upped it to five antibiotics. And as well as that, then I was on what they call herbals. Yeah. And there are kind of various um supplements that you take as well. And I have to say, within I'd say about six, seven months, I started to feel better. Right. Now I know it doesn't work for everybody. I, mm. I get that because everybody's different. It did work for me. Mm. And to be honest with you, it was um just before lockdown. Um, two years ago in March. We finished school on the 12th of March and um, to go into lockdown.
3: Yes.
11: And I had a Zoom appointment with the clinic in London and they had done more bloods for me and all my bloods were normal.
4: Oh, brilliant. So they got rid of it?
11: Yeah, all the bloods were normal. They actually got rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't looked back. Good. I haven't looked back. Be, I've been very healthy.
4: What Dr. Lambert always says, and look, he's he's the only man in the country, I think, doing it. There may be one or two others, but he's the only man in the country doing these treatments. Yes. The faster you get into it, the better the outcome. So sure, by the time you were able to get to London, it was deeply embedded in your system.
11: I But believe it or not, what they said to me was Dr. Jordan I was dealing with and Dr. Berkovich over in London. And Dr. Jordan said to me, she said, Sylvia, she said, you were just on the cusp. She said, you were just starting to turn. And she said, if you hadn't come to us when you did, you would be in a wheelchair right now. And I've heard of people who have ended up in a wheelchair, you know. So I I was lucky. I was very, very lucky.
4: And do you have to do anything now to maintain your health or, or are you effectively a cure?
11: I'm I I just look after myself as I normally would. I finished off the last of the anti of oh, sorry the last of the supplements about a year or so ago. Right. The very last um, in- infection to get rid of was a thing called Babesia. It's very hard to get rid of sure. or Bartonella. And that was the last one. And I stayed on that supplement for a little bit longer. Sure. And on the advice of the, the doctor in the clinic, he said, come off everything now. You're ready. And I did. And I haven't. I haven't taken anything. I'm not on any antibiotics. I'm not on any supplements. I'm back. I'm running. I'm cycling. I'm sea swimming. I'm back at work. Oh,
3: brilliant. <laughs> have no everything pain, I have no
11: pain, need to do yeah. and, no pain at all. Absolutely no pain. Just looking after myself. No, it has impacted myself and my family. It still does impact us, really. Financially, it has impacted us. Yeah. It's impacted on my job because um, I'm hoping to retire. You know, I've, I, 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 I hit a significant age this year mm. and I was hoping to retire, but I can't now because I still have... A lot of bills to pay, a lot of medical bills to pay. Yeah. And, and of course, there was, know, no, have there was no
4: coverage from HSE for those because.
11: No, no yeah. coverage from HSE, and I had private health insurance, and that didn't work either. If yeah. I told you what I paid out and what I got back from my private health insurance, you'd actually laugh. It was absolutely horrendous. I put my family under terrible pressure really,
4: how much, you know, financially. How much did it all cost it? you, Sylvia?
11: Do you really want to know? Go on. Right, okay. 20,000. <sighs> Wow, twenty thousand, and I was staying with family in London. Now, some people go to Poland and they have to pay for their accommodation. I was lucky. I was lucky, and then I got eight hundred euro back from um, my private health insurance. That's all they could give me back. Yep, yep. (sighs) <sighs> but listen, as I said, you can't put price price. Price.
4: well I, you know they all say you can't yeah, put a price on your health. You. <laughs> but but generally, you know, the people who say you can't put a price on your health, they're not the ones paying it.
11: They're not, no, they're not, no. And look, I was in a position, my my I'm working full time, my husband's working full time. Yeah. There's an awful lot of people out there who aren't working at all. Oh, and yeah. there's people who've had to give up work. Yes. A few people I've spoken to are teachers as well. They've actually had to give up work. Yeah. Because they just can't afford, you know.
4: I know someone who had lost the sight in one eye and and they took an awful job to save the second one, you
11: know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And work was horrendous even, you know. I just made myself go into work, but there's people out there who can't. I used to go to sleep. I used to find a room in the school. We have a chaplaincy and I'd go down there and I'd have a rest Mm. in between classes. You know, so, to, to drag myself into school because I, I knew I had to go in. I had to go in because I had to pay this bill. You yeah. know, just
4: Sylvia, I'm delighted. I'm just... delighted that you've managed to, to beat Thank you it. so
11: much. Thank it's, you. It's, it's, it's and a... I, I hope it'll give inspiration and it might give comfort to the people out there. And that's why I came on this morning. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to know that, you know,
4: well, that th- there I, is a way out. Do you know what, what is the most infuriating thing of all, Sylvia? As I first spoke to... Jack Lambert about this maybe God it's it's about probably four years ago now it's definitely pre pandemic, and at Mm -hmm. the time he said to me that the you know health health system here just either doesn't know or doesn't want to know, and and
11: speaking want to know
4: speaking to him again on Friday he said pretty much the same thing, for the most part they just don't don't. want to know they
11: don't I think it's because the antibiotics and things are so expensive and then supplements are so expensive. So they're turning a blind eye to this, and I think it's very unfair. And, and I think the, it's time now that something was done, really. There's thousands know, of people out there. Thousands of people Thousands of people out there. I'm sorry, but there is, you know, and they're yeah. fudging the numbers as well, i say, in terms people, of how many pe- there are. People there, who think what, they 1, have multiple sclerosis
4: and people who think they have bone disease and people who think they have joint disease and they, have, Lyme. yeah. they, have, they have Lyme's and they could be treated with antibiotics. Sylvia, thank you very much. Uh, she went to London, I cost her an arm and a leg, She's cured of Lyme's disease. Uh, a long, long, hard road. Expensive road. Thanks, Sylvia. 0818 96 96. We also heard from John. Is it John, it is John. And he wants me to read this to you rather than come on himself. So I will. Uh, next. 0818
3: 96 96 96. Can we just talk?
1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor,
2: home, business, farm, life and health insurance. Cmig.ie.
1: Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide
2: to
3: nightlife
10: on Side. Hi,
1: it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Deirdre O'Kane
10: brings her demented show to the Barra's Conicilty this coming May 6th. Tickets are now on sale from the West Cork venue or available from dabarra.ie access all areas multi-platinum, multi-Brit award winning singer-songwriter David Gray has announced a special open-air performance at Musgrave Park on Saturday, June 20th as part of his White Ladder, the 20th anniversary tour tickets are on sale now from usual outlets access all areas you can contact us here at access all areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie access all areas
2: your
1: Tonight my family
2: side On Cork's 96
4: FM Here's the thing, just referring back to Paul's comment with regard to the driver's licence and a public service card Paul doesn't want a public service card he doesn't feel he has any need for one and that's his business but he can't get a driver's licence online without a public service card Well, shall we say someone who's in a position to know these things has contacted me to say there's currently an Outrageous backlog with public service cards. Uh, as of today, they're still only dealing with applications from early January. So you'll be waiting for your public service card as well as waiting for anything else. 0818969696. 96 96. So John contacted us um, subsequent to our conversation with uh, Jack Lambert and others on Friday, and again with Sylvia today, with regard to uh, Lyme's disease. Hi. Hi PJ and 96 of M. I would like to try offer an explanation as to why us chronic Lyme patients seem to be at odds with the doctors. When HSC or TDs or doctors give the standard answer that Lyme is easily treated with a short course of antibiotics, this can be valid if it's a recent infection. The reason our group exists is that we weren't cured by early detection or treatment. We're the people that had Lyme spreading and digging into all our bodies unchallenged. We, th- we were either not identified as a bacterial infection, we were not treated with early antibiotics, or we didn't get sufficient treatment to fully eradicate it. We're not saying that non Lyme aware doctors are incorrect with their standard prognosis. A stitch in time saves nine. We're telling them that we are the cases where Lyme has invaded and overwhelmed due to late detection. That's what Dr. John Lambert, Jack Lambert, has been saying for years. If you can get Lyme in the early stages, a few weeks of strong antibiotics, and that's it. It's done. You kill it off really quickly. But if you don't get it, it invades the body, every part of the body. John says, we're telling them we're the special cases that Lyme has invaded A short course of antibiotics might not be sufficient. Bacteria shelter themselves in biofilms and plaques. Chronic problems persist in many illnesses, like long COVID. We would benefit from more compassion from the doctors. We don't want to keep fighting doctors. We want the acknowledgement that we were missed. An early fix opportunity was lost. We know ourselves. We know our bodies are broken. It's not just in our head. If a blood test says there's nothing wrong, it's the wrong test. Please believe us. Please help us. If energy problems, fatigue, micro-clotting, etc., if they persist, then we need more treatment. I got Lyme from a flying insect in Thailand 20 years ago. Misdiagnosed as psychiatric, lazy, unmotivated. I had crippling fatigue, pain, IBS, Psoriasis, numbness, nerve pain, constant feeling of overwhelmed. Three years ago, got the Armin blood test, spent 18 months being treated by Ding Ding, Dr. Lambert with herbs and other protocols. Now I am post Lyme, 60% recovered, feeling much better, still have some ongoing fatigue. I hope this helps. Thanks for broadcasting the issue. I was lucky enough to find the information I needed. When I was Googling my multiple symptoms, maybe some listeners will find it useful also. Thank you, John. And yet another uh, endorsement for the work of Dr. Jack Lambert. 0818 96 96 96. I had Lyme 20 years ago. I had two weeks on doxycycline over in the States. It came up positive again just a few years back. My GP said it's quite normal for it to still show up. I hope the GP put you back on the doxy when it came up again. Because the doxy is one of the things that does eliminate it quickly if it's caught early. That's what all the doctors who know about Lyme tell you. Thank you. Uh, I too have Lyme disease. I have had many years. I lost everything I had. I was told I didn't have it, that I was just depressed. I've had heart problems, chronic fatigue, all my joints are constantly sore. I had sepsis, but nothing I can do as I just can't afford the treatment. And again, Tom is listening. I'm struck by how the department can give an 80K pay rise to one man and a health system that denies people treatment. He's supposed to be doing a great job altogether, but these seem to be simple issues. Thank you. 0818969696. It is the oldest argument <laughs> among parents when my kids were in school they were arguing about homework and they're still arguing about homework ingrid good morning
12: thanks BJ. yes it's uh, it's been going on for a while hasn't it
4: it has indeed now i'm i'm looking at what you're saying are you saying that maybe homework should be should be cancelled for Mammy's sake rather than for the smally's sake
12: <laughs> well i think it's definitely something that we need to take in to account when we 're discussing the whole issue around homework, and I think that 's kind of been missing really from the from the conversation so far you know describe a
4: typical day in your house
12: because it's um, it does take um,
4: oh. oh so you can we clean that line up there a small bit fee it 's breaking up on our own I want to have a couple of minutes conversation with Ingrid there but she she wrote a piece. In the Echo, she said, uh, "From about three o'clock onwards, her school WhatsApp group fills up with messages. Anyone got the Irish spellings? A copy of Mental Maths? I can't get into seesaw. Do I need a new code?" And her argument seems to be the toll it takes on women's time, and that's where I was going to with the conversation. Is it's kind of not so there's the argument of whether it's any good for for the youngster. But there's also the, the the issue of whether it's an imposition on Mammy's time. There you're back, Ingrid.
12: I'm back, yes. I don't know what happened there. But uh, yes, an imposition on Mammy's time. And it really is because it's uh, um, that's kind of what spurred me on to write about this in the first place because I could see every afternoon, you know, the, the WhatsApp messages start coming in and I was just looking at the amount of time that women spend... Trying to supervise the homework, especially now, I think we're talking mainly for you know the younger primary school children. Mm-hmm. I think the older they get, probably the more benefits there is to the homework and and the more you know independently they could they can do it but it's the it's the younger kids and uh it's just it's the um it's the sheer pressure of trying to get it done. the kids aren 't motivated mm-hmm. um the, I think I, I, I said somewhere that they, you know if they just sat down and did it, uh, it probably would be okay. But that never really happens, and you need to find you know, yeah. the missing pages of a book or um, trying to convince them to to sit down and do it. And it's stressful, and stress is never good for anybody—the um, kids or the mammies, You know,
4: you, you've you've three. How old are they?
12: They are um, well. One's almost fourteen, eight, and eight-year-olds as of this week, and uh, ten.
4: Okay. Between the three of them, how much homework would they have? Well, leave the 14-year-old out, because they're secondary school, I would imagine, at yeah, this stage. Yeah, so take yeah. the 8- and 10-year-old. How much homework would they have?
12: Uh, you know, this is actually a really difficult one to quantify, because it's not actually that much. Um, and I find, in general, I think teachers and the schools, at least in the the decade I've had of, of kids in primary school, are quite understanding and quite good at, you know, assigning Appropriate levels of work, to some extent, and also um, um, are very understanding if 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 it does get done. Do you know what I mean? It's not that the teachers are draconian and and you get punished if you haven't done your homework and like that. Mm. It's so. It's not even that it's that much. It's just the amount of time it takes to actually get those couple of pages or those worksheets done, yeah. you know, they could probably be done in 10 minutes, but it doesn't quite work like that because the motivational level is so long, like they come home, they're tired from school, you know, they don't want to sit down and do it and, and <laughs> that's when I talk about, you know, they, they don't want to do it, yeah. but if you say, um, oh, it's fine, we won't do it they go, but we have to do it, so then you end up in this kind yeah. of eternal circle yeah. of...
4: And uh, do yeah? you have a kind of a a set routine for them or what or do you find that works
12: you know what i think we you need to play it by air a little bit because sometimes it's um it works well to come home going okay we'll just sit down and we'll do the homework now and get it over with other times that doesn't work because you know then that's when they want their chill out time and they want the snack and whatever so um sometimes actually by choice they they have chosen to do it in the morning of the school day because uh, you know that right. has worked <laughs> to some extent. Oh, so like get up early and do
4: it, is that it? Yeah,
12: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, <laughs> it wouldn't have been my choice, but it actually kind of works for them sometimes, and I think maybe there's something there about making the choice to do that, you know? Yeah. Um, it's it's some sort of autonomy on their behalf. Mm. But I find it, it's less about... Um, the routine because it changes depending on their form. Sometimes you have activities in the afternoon. You also have to cook the dinner, and it's just a question of slotting it in, is in where it, it needs to go. Now, you you
4: don't put them under pressure to finish. If they no. can't finish, they can't finish. No. And do they get in trouble at school for that? Then
12: no, never, never. Yeah. So it's it's but it's more the the, the internal pressure. They feel yes. as well because that's what I spoke about earlier, where you kind of go, it's okay, you don't have to do it, and they look up at me, especially again, this is the younger ones now, but where they go, but I have to do it. Teacher said, and so <laughs> you know, as parents, you don't really have the authority to issue homework passes. You know, that it's very clear that that lies yeah. at the school, yeah. um, so you, you know, it just becomes this spiral of of um, of pressure, really, yeah. and um, and. Uh, again, I speak to some of the other parents in in, um, in my sons and daughters schools and I think it seems to be a general feeling amongst parents that homework is a source of stress and frustration and that it does take up an awful lot of our time yeah. to supervise it, you know?
4: Yeah, I mean professionally you're a, a psychological coach like, Yes Do you think that and this is an argument, is is as old as me, do you Mm -hmm. think that it serves an actual purpose to have 8 and 9 and 10 year olds bringing home sums and spellings and reading to do?
12: I personally don't. Now again, primary education isn't my my field of expertise, but from what I've seen from the research and and from what I've talked to, to teachers about, I do not think that you know, the spellings and everything like that serves a purpose. I think uh, based on what I see in my own house, it just adds stress and the feeling of frustration in the kids sometimes, you know, and in the parents. Yeah. Now, you know, primary educators might have different opinions here. But again, if you look at the the research, it, there's no conclusive evidence to say that for the younger kids, it's beneficial to do homework uh,
3: of that kind
4: Yeah, i I, I would always kind of said in the past you know what, you have to learn a discipline in life that sometimes work doesn't end at 5 o'clock and where best to learn that is maybe at school and that you will spend most of your adult life when you're working, you will have to bring some stuff home, so if you learn that as a skill in school, but then there's other people who say, well actually no, that's not the case at all
12: yeah, because you have to look at, like, we, we talk an awful lot about now about burnout and the importance of having boundaries between, you know, your work life and your home life, especially now with so many people working from home and whatever. And I think, what is the lesson we're teaching our kids then? <laughs> that you don't, like, that they don't have that boundary, that there's no way that you can come home. They're in school, like, you know, for a good portion of the day and they learn, there's a lot of discipline in the school, there's a lot of direction, there's a lot of. Tasks that they're told to do and they do them. So maybe would they be better off from a holistic point of view? And again, I have to say that you know, you know, child um, psychology is not my expertise, sure. but um, it's uh, it's what what could that time be better spent doing? Maybe yeah. when what we see in our homes is that it's not particularly conducive to yeah. um, a good learning environment or, or anything. So maybe even if maybe even if the homework, because there is some evidence to suggest that. The feeling of completion is, is a good, positive um, thing to bring with you so that you have a task and you complete it. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, but yeah. maybe the task could be something. Maybe the task could be to show um, your parents what you did in school that day yeah. and talk about it, maybe, you know, rather than filling out the math sheet, you know?
4: Do you know so- what we always found stressful in, in my place? And to be fair, it was nearly always my missus had to do this, not me, because I was mm-hmm, gone to work mm-hmm, early, right? Mammy! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. need three kinds of leaves and a snail and a pebble see what, when, yeah. do you, when do you need him love tomorrow I need him to no I need him now so yeah. this is ten past eight in the morning in between mouthfuls yeah. of cornflakes yeah. I need three kinds of leaves a snail and a pebble oh. I know
12: <laughs> Yeah, I know no, but it's true, and it's also and and you know the pen sticks, and then also now with the with the online work, so you have to remember the seesaw password, and you have to figure out how to minimize the text boxes in seesaw, and you have to, you know, and you have to check the school app, um, and it it becomes like it's almost a full time job, and I think you know going back to the little thing about for the mommy's sake, yeah. it's women have other things to do as well, and yeah. either we're working or you know you're just trying to find some some time to for your own stuff and it just gets taken up by this um huge amount of uh, not huge amount of homework but the the task of homework because mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm pretty hands-off really and i don't go chasing you know missing pages and books or anything like that we, i'm happy enough to skip them um but even so it's there as this Kind of cloud hanging over you that oh we still haven't done the homework and it's five o'clock you know it's 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 not it it doesn't leave you with um um and an,
4: Let let me me read a message that's come in, Ingrid, Mm. and see what you think of this. Um, (laughs) PJ, I hate to rant, but the parents who want homework cancelled are the parents with big jobs, big careers, never off duty. This is not every parent or every set of parents. Homework is a must to see how your child is getting on. Also, the pressure on the mammy argument, well, men do just as much, if not more, in couples nowadays. The tide turned on that a long time ago. If you can't spare 20 to 60 minutes on an afternoon for your child to do the homework, your priorities are all wrong. What do you <laughs> make
3: of that?
12: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things in that now. I'm never not, Nobody's saying I think that dads don't have the homework, yeah? Mm. I think we're all clear that they do, but I do think that uh, looking at, again, um, what I see in my school and the conversations I'm having, uh, it tends to be, when it comes to so said, the nuts and bolts logistics of getting the homework done and to fit it in between everything, I do think, and I would argue, and I think the tide has turned. Well, I think we know that domestic responsibilities still to a large extent fall on on, on mummies, right? So I think there's, there's evidence to back that up. Um, whether it's useful or not, to be honest, I think we need to look at the evidence for, and again, primary school education is not my... Yeah, of expertise, yeah, but yeah. you know there isn't conclusive evidence evidence to say that yeah, homework yeah.
4: is. No, you know, they um, haven't done it. I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen research where they left two identical classes with homework and without homework hmm. and looked at the difference. I don't think they've ever. I don't think I've ever seen any any kind yeah. of longitudinal research about that. Yeah, pain,
12: you know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of variables there. It'd be hard to <laughs> to make sure that it's exact. But but I think that, you know, if if you can't spend an hour with your homework, I think one of the arguments I'm making is that it doesn't just take the hour. But also, and also, I was also challenged about it's just the parents with the big jobs? Well, I don't think so. You know, I think homework is the bane of many parents' life, um, regardless of. And I think that kind of, if you can't, like, just put up with it and just do it and your priorities are all wrong, I think... Um, For myself and the parents i 'm speaking to, I think mm. the priorities are bang on because mm. the priorities is all about making sure that children have um an environment where they have room to grow, they have room to play, they have room to just chat after school, mm. they have room to be out in you know in nature if that 's what we 're choosing to do, they have room for other activities, and I think what we 're trying to teach them is that that's as important. Mm. as um you know, sitting down and being forced to do a math sheet when there's absolutely no value. It's busy work for the sake of busy work. And I don't think that's the lesson we want to
4: I like I like that expression. Them. Busy work for the sake of busy work. Ingrid, I'll leave it there. Thanks very much, Ingrid. Same, she's a psychological coach and a mom of three, which makes her hyper qualified for this. Thanks, Ingrid. What do you think? I'm, look, I'm, I'm. We're out of the homework thing in, in my house. Thanks, of God. Fiona, have you got the headset there for a second? Because I know that you have, you have homework uh, in your house. Uh, we we'll get. We'll, I'll, we'll talk to Fiona about it in a minute. But she's got homework. I'd say every. Day or every second day in their house. But the, the idea that you would just do away with it, because it takes pressure off the kids, and it takes pressure off the parents, it takes pressure off the house, and, and, and the time you would spend doing spellings and readings and sums and all that kind of crack, that you'd do something more productive. <laughs> but I still think the best bit of all is, and it happens, it does. ma'am. What love? I need three kind of leaves. Right, love. And a snail. Right, love. And two pebbles. That's great, love. And when do you want them for? Uh, Today, ma'am. This is at 20 past eight. Tell me that's never happened in your house. Caller says so many children in childcare, creches, and now the parents looking to eliminate helping them with homework. Will we look back in 20 years and say Facebook raised them the same way children in the past were called latchkey kids? Is there any significant time together? Floor is yours, my friends.
3: Can we just talk? The
1: Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With
2: McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Mig.ie. KCN Ross in the MIG.ie. Weekdays, 6 to 9
4: a.m. What mystery from your childhood have you finally solved many many years later?
9: Honestly, I kid you not, I was 34 before I realized that mice do not grow up to be rats.
2: Down. Casey and Ross in the morning with Null DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221 and always open 24-7 at nulldc.com. 96 F.
0: I am in the centre of a village on the north side of the city. I'm beside a church and a river. And ahead of me is a shopping centre. Where am I?
4: There you go. Where is Fiona? Remember, with 500 euro voucher every day this week with the furniture centre, Watercourse Road, uh, with us all this week on The Opinion Land Chance to transform your home with a daily €500 euro voucher. Where is Fiona? Text her location and your name. Text to WhatsApp to 083-396-9696. 96 96. Keep them coming. We'll draw one at the end of the program. Lots of people coming back to us about the public services card. Apparently, you do now need a public services card just to renew your driver's license online. Now, I would have thought that actually, you know, your existing driver's license and a pa would have... No, you need a public service card to renew your driver's licence online to apply for a new driver's licence online you need the public service card PJ I went into NDLS on Friday in person to get my licence I didn't need the public service card but you need one to do it online Terry says both myself and my wife have no cards we've made two appointments for renewal of driving licences for next week nobody asked us for a card we just have to bring some form of ID uh, it's. I use my social card as my travel pass as well But it's easier to use the same data and picture on your card When getting a driver's license It's easier I think it's a great system Yeah but you, like the, the public service, There should be no need for you to have a public service card If you don't want one The reason I have one uh, The reason I have one is because a couple of years ago When we did some building work At home We were able to claim back some of the VAT Under a scheme That revenue had at the time and in order to claim the VAT back, you had to get a public service card. That's the only reason that I have. It didn't bother me getting it. That's how it was. If I wanted my money back and there was a, a few quid involved, if I wanted my money back, I needed to get a card and, and that's fine. And it's there in my wallet. and I think it lasts for uh, 9 or 10 years. Um, now, someone is saying, funny, revenue took your tax without the PSC, but wouldn't give it back. Yeah, there's that too. There's that. I'm just saying it didn't bother me very much. People have differing views on it. I'm just saying it didn't trouble me uh, a whole pile to get the actual card. Welcome back to it. 0818 96, 96 96. Now, the Russian President Vladimir Putin and US counterpart Joe Biden have agreed to a summit meeting uh, on one condition if Moscow doesn't invade Ukraine. People are saying for the last week or so that it seems inevitable now that Moscow will invade Ukraine. This summit was proposed and negotiated by Emmanuel Macron, the, the French president. And it seems that Joe Biden is happy to meet Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir Putin is happy to meet Joe Biden. I wonder will they do it across that big, long table. You, know you practically need a phone to talk to that big, long, big, long, long table. Uh, that you'll need a phone to talk to the person at the other end but that's one way for first for for natives it must be terribly terribly worrying oksana good morning to you uh, Talk to me about your own story you you live in yall now um, but you're originally from ukraine is that right
13: uh good morning tj uh yeah that's correct uh i am from ukraine uh but uh almost 7 years uh i'm living in island in yall already um but when I was living in Ukraine, they uh, they were already started then. So uh, and um, I came to uh, to Ireland and uh, I was granted the refugee status here. So for last almost seven years I'm here. And uh, I also have a family in Ukraine. Um, I have my sister there, and I mean she, she's still living there.
4: And are you in contact with her?
13: yes I am of course uh, we're talking every day especially this time when, uh, when the situation uh, is so worrying and uh, you know it's, yeah, it's, it's really it's that time when we're talking every day to each other
4: yeah. Yeah. talk to me about how worried she like, this, so someone I spoke to last week who lives in Crosshaven another Ukrainian sits and, uh, said to me that this is going on since like 2014 we're kind of only That's, hearing uh, yeah. about it now
13: That's really interesting situation because uh, Ukraine already in the state of war for eight years, and uh, for all these eight years, um, uh, fifteen thousand of people were killed uh, in war, and more than thirty thousand of people were uh, wounded, and one point five million people had to leave their homes and just to uh, to live to some other places in ukraine that are more peaceful so it's the impact is huge uh probably lately um they started to talk uh, about war in ukraine in news again because of the um because um uh, because of the chance of uh, of the bigger invasion uh, invasion of ukraine i would say so
4: how does your d- d- does your sister feel that there will be an invasion mm-hmm
13: uh it's a it's it's very difficult situation she feels very frightened because uh you know it's um she lives in Dnipro. it's uh it's a big industrial city in uh central or i would say even eastern part of ukraine so it's uh it's very close to the war zone itself right now and if the reinvasion invasion happens it's quite a big chance that uh it will hit the city as well and um she, she's worried of course because uh, you know in this situation uh, you don't know what to do and especially she's just 20 years old and uh, it just breaks my heart that instead of thinking uh, about her university study or about her uh, career development or just spending time with her friends uh, she has to think about uh, you know where she can find the bomb shelter or how to pack your emergency bag. it's really heartbreaking. It
4: is, it is and is she, is she in a part, I mean I I know it's an enormous country with a very big yeah. population and, and spread out. So is she in, in an area that would be affected were there to be an invasion?
3: Uh,
13: that's another problem. That uh, you see, uh, they discuss so many scenarios in media, and uh, from one side they say that probably it will be big cities, and Paris uh, is it's one of the big cities, and it's not far from the uh, Donetsk region, uh, which is affected right now already. Um, from other side they say that probably it will be Kiev, uh, the, the capital of Ukraine. So no one really knows and yeah. right now you cannot even uh, know what, what will be the safe place in Ukraine.
4: Yes, the uncertainty must be the must be the hardest part. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that there are there would be people then within the community in Ukraine who who agree with the Russians. So you can't you kind of don't know who to trust do you?
13: Um, I would say probably uh like you know in every country there are a small n- number of people that don't support the the policy of this country. So probably in uh in in some regions there are a um, small amount of people uh who would agree with Russian policy. But I I would say that it's it just it, it's It's a really tiny amount of people, and oh, yeah. uh the majority of people they of course they uh they support Ukrainian government and they understand that Ukraine is a sovereign state and it should be sovereign
4: Tell me about you is your sister working? Is she studying? What does she do
13: uh she's studying at the university
4: okay, okay, and obviously mm-hmm. she she wants to continue with her studies and and get on with her life
13: Yes, yes absolutely uh,
4: she doesn't she doesn't want to have to get out. But well, is she considering leaving?
13: Uh, the problem is that we discussed with her uh, this option. She, she probably, um, if it would be better for her to leave to to other parts of Ukraine. But the problem is that uh, you cannot know what would be the safe part yes. of Ukraine. So uh, she decided to stay uh, in Dnipro where her university, her university okay. mates, uh, her friends. Uh, so at least she, she could have some support there. Okay
4: okay well we wish we wish her well, and it must be a very worrying time for you too. absolutely,
13: yeah, unfortunately, it is yeah. thank
4: would, you so much would you would you like to? I know you probably can't, but would you like to get on a plane and go and just give her a hug and say it'll be all right?
13: I, I, of course, I would like to support her. Uh If if I could, you know, I, I just we talk every day uh, on Skype, uh, so we see each other. But of course, I would like to, mm. you know, to support her, to Desperate. support your
4: matter. Desperately worrying, yeah. desperately worrying. Mm-hmm. And your parents, your parents are are passed away, are they?
13: Uh, they passed away. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, that's
4: that that's correct. That makes that so. Her, her support, she mm-hmm. has less support than then we'd like you to have it's terribly it's worrying time I hope everything works out you really do hope that you know this can be comp- uh, started out around a table rather than with people with guns and, and bombs can I ask you something before I let you go absolutely Anna, I was in I was in Ukraine once it's about 20 years ago and I was really impressed right. with, you, with your country it's a beautiful place can I ask you about the correct pronunciation of the capital is it Kiev or Kiev
13: Kyiv, uh, the correct pronunciation is Kyiv. It's like K Y I V, Kyiv. Kyiv,
4: all right. Yeah. I wanted Kyiv. to ask because there are so many different pronunciations depending on who you watch on the television.
13: Yes, it was uh, for a long time, it was um, it was more common to use a uh, Russian name for Kyiv, uh, but of course, it would be more correct to use Ukrainian name.
4: All right, listen. Thank you very much, Oksana, and uh, we wish, we hope that your sister stays very safe uh, in the part of Ukraine that she's in. Oksana, thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety eight. So it's Kiev, Kiev, like Kiev. like hello. It's Kiev, okay? Not Kiev. That's a chicken dish. Someone was trying to explain that to me during the week. It's Kiev, not Kiev, because Kiev is a chicken dish. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. You have to, it's such a worry. I was talking to someone last week, sitting, waiting for something, and was just chatting to the fellow sitting next to me. He was going through his phone, looking at the latest developments. He goes, What happens if they actually do invade and a war breaks out? What happens? And you just go, God alone knows.
1: Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Corks 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance
2: Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance. cmig.ie Let's get down, let's get down the business.
5: We're back to the music.
1: The Corks 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now.
2: Just like
1: this.
2: Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro just-eat voucher.
1: The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down the business.
2: Join the Quartz 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.
1: Or see 96fm.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Now, interesting concept in
4: front of me here now. The 25% project for EU young voices. Megan, good morning to you.
14: Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me.
4: Tell me about this from the start, because I'm just an alpha. I don't know anything about it.
14: (laughs) (laughs) Well, PJ, the the National Youth Council um, have been working in collaboration with the European Youth Forum on this project called the 25%. And essentially, it's about uplifting the voices of young people. And it's part of the process on the Conference on the Future of Europe. And essentially, what we're doing is trying to get the ideas of young people on what they believe a better future of Europe looks like and I suppose it's been gone on now since last year and it's we're coming into nearly eight months now and we're trying to reach as many young people as possible. So next on the map is Cork.
4: Okay. And it's a conference event at the Metropole.
14: That's right. So we're bringing um, in person, luckily enough, we're bringing uh, young people together to gather ideas, to have discussions and gather opinions um, around the future of Europe. Um, we'll have um, our UN youth delegates who are from Cork on the day and um, we'd also have some former EU delegates who are from Cork on the day as well. So we're getting plenty of representation.
4: And what kind of things are discussed at, at conferences like this, Megan? Like what what are young people concerned about in terms of the future of Europe?
14: Well, from what we've got so far, PJ, I can tell you, one of the biggest things that are young people's minds is actually climate justice. And it's come up repeatedly uh, from different sessions, whether it be online or in person. Um, and then we have things like local issues, like um, access to services, like mental health services uh, and things like that. So it can be a broad range of things on the spectrum and um, things like transport. One of the biggest reasons we're actually visiting Cork is because there's a huge call for representation for rural youth. You know, where's their voices being heard when a lot of things take place in the likes of Dublin? As you can probably tell with me, Dublin accent, mm-hmm. uh, we've do- done plenty up here, but it, it can be a broad range. Yeah.
4: Yeah, because, I mean, if you take public transport, young people use public transport when it's there for them, but in rural areas, it's just not there.
14: No, it doesn't exist. And it's, you know, realistically, it's all well and good. You know, you hear these opinions like in the likes of Dublin where public transport is, is needed and there's a huge demand. But things like, what about if you are from a place where driving is necessary, access to, you know, driving lessons, getting your license. We've seen now with the pandemic, the huge impact that's had for young people trying to even get um, a lesson booked or trying to get a test booked, so you know that's what we're here. We're try, here to try gather these ideas and what what's on the table for young people, what isn't being heard, and how can we bring it to a higher level?
4: And look, something simple like like a getting a bus stop or getting a regular bus service to a place like oh, for say, Coachford or Glenmire or McCroom, getting a regular hour That's is that something that the European Union actually cares about? There's you know. And I, suppose
14: those well, are what I well, what I can say is that, yeah, because even for, this is, I suppose we're speaking from the example of Ireland, but we have to think about you know those other countries where there is a huge population of rural youth and what that means for them. So I suppose it's the case here where if we actually bring it forward and there's enough people saying it, it will be listened to, I suppose, as part of this conference that we have an event that will place on mm. the 24th where we have 10 representatives. And all the ideas gathered so far, will be brought to this, and uh, there'll be MEPs, there'll be po- politicians and decision makers. So we're, like I said, we're really, these ideas aren't something that are, you know, going to be left to the wayside. This is going to be brought to a higher level, and we really hope that okay. it will be listened to. Okay.
4: So if people are interested in being part of the Cork event, how can they how can they get involved?
14: So like you said, it's it's taking place in the Metropole. Um, we'd ask that anybody who wants to come along, join us. Um, you can get in contact with myself. It's megan at myci.ie. Reach out to me and I can follow up with an email and we'll see you on the day.
4: All right. All right. Listen, good luck with it, Megan. Great to hear young people uh, chewing over the, the political issues of the day uh, and, and sending the message upstairs that they need to get listened to. Thanks, Megan. That's Megan Atkins from the National Youth Council. The event is tomorrow. There's the email address. You got it if you need it. 0818 96 96 96, getting back to the NDLS, the driving light yeah they no longer accept cash in the office, somebody was on to me about that a week or two ago that you have to have a card now or use your phone to pay they don't take cash in the NDLS office now I've mentioned I have a huge problem with that because we have not yet gotten to a point in this country where cash is no longer legal tender and I think in estates, States this is just me saying what I think in a state service, like the driver's license service, the fact that they don't take cash, I have a real problem with that. a real problem with that. Um, yeah, Carl was saying, funny how revenue took your tax before the public service card but wouldn't go back without it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I get that. It just didn't bother me too much. On homework, hi PJ, my daughter is in junior infants. I work full time. She's in aftercare, we get home at six, then I start straight away with the homework. Some evenings she's just too tired, and then I know there's no point, as I can't get anything out of her. I did explain to the teacher if there are days she hasn't done it. I don't want her to do it in aftercare, then I won't know if she did it or if someone gave her all the answers. I don't mind helping, but as a mom, it's frustrating. And then, it's just parents who are too lazy to do it. Where do your kids learn about respecting authority? If teacher said you have to do it but mommy says you don't need to is that same mommy then acting like that with her boss? Whichever parents are complaining about being with the kid while they copy handwriting one letter five times and then they're saying it's too much come on people, invest more time with your kids Not a lot of love in the room for what Ingrid was saying that it's very stressful for parents to have a load of Kids with a load of homework. 0818 96, 96 96
1: The Corks 96 FM Cash Cow.
2: With Mahan Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Mahan Point. See All
4: right, you know the deal at this stage. If the cow moves, you lose thousands and thousands of euro. So how much moolah will we milk out of the cash cow this hour? You got the password this morning from Casey and Ross. I don't intend to give it to you again. And we don't intend to ask you for it when you come on the air, but you'll be asked off-air for the password, and you have to have it. And then we'll put you on the air to play the game. The cow has money. Moolah. But if the cow moves... You lose the 96M cash cow with Manpoint. Point. S Man C Point IE. All right, text or WhatsApp me now 083 396 96 96. We'll have a contestant next.
3: Can we just talk?
1: The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With
4: McCarthy Insurance
2: Group Call in person or call them now They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk Cmig.ie.
4: Now, do you hear that sound there, Garrod? The I moo, do indeed The moo cup I do indeed If you hear the moo again you lose I know <laughs> So if the cow moos you lose Now it's really easy All i got to do is I'm going to let, let the clock go and you will hear amounts of money As soon as you hear the amount of money on which you think you'd like to stop You just say stop And the money's yours You might want to go again See, can you go higher than that? You might just go lower than that You'd never know But if the cow moves you gonna walk away with nothing Are we ready to play? I am indeed Let's go with it then 150 euros What you want to do? Play You want to play? Okay, let's see, can we go? What's next? I have no idea. Two hundred and fifty euro. What do you want to do? Do You want to You want to stop? You want to stop? Stop! 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 stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Okay, that's very. Because see what was going to happen. Now you have one. <laughs> you see? Lucky. You got away with the two hundred and fifty. Congratulations, Gerald De Brett in Ballincollig, our latest winner on the cash cow. All right, we uh, hand you, you back on to the lads there and you get some more details off you. Thank you for that. Gerald well done. 250 yoyos, one off of the cash cow. If the cow moves, you lose. The cash cow with Mahan Point. Catch a movie, explore over 60 stores and shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. More details from mahanpointsc.ie and it's only on Cork's ninety six of M. Lots of fun being had with this one and it's going on for a bit more. Don't forget our other competition. I'll give you more details of that in a while. We'll draw the first winner with that. Before we finish up today, Cork's 96FM. All right, one more last aged to this. Every day this week, we have the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road, a €500 voucher to give away every day. Uh, You can choose from custom-made Irish sweets or dining furniture or mattress. Get an Irish-made sofa delivered in four to six weeks with the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road, a family-run business for over 40 years. 500 euros a day. Fiona is out and about but you need to tell us where she is. So what you do the answer is 083. Get on to 083 396 96 96 by text or whatsapp give us your name and tell us where Fiona is One last listen
0: I am in the centre of a village on the north side of the city. I'm beside a church and a river and ahead of me is a shopping centre Where am I?
4: So, Susan, I'm kind of laughing because I recognise this. You're not the first person that I've heard with this problem. Annual visits by ants in the summertime.
15: Correct. It came in July 2020. um, We arrived home and to our surprise, like the room they arrived in is the back of the house it's the sunroom and um, it's quite bright it's painted white the blinds are white the flooring is brown but when I walked into we say kitchen come dining room onto the sunroom I could see all black dots and I mean now thousands upon thousands gone up the blinds scattering the floor and I was like OMG, what is going on here? Mm. So I discovered it was ants.
4: And was this the middle of the day or nighttime, or when?
15: It was tea time, tea time about 10 past five. Very hot day, about 10 past five. Now the back of the house, the room where they decided to come in, it, it is a sun trap. It's a very, very hot room. And in the summertime, the back of the house heats off quite hot. Now the thing is, we're in the house 21 years and on July... Thirty first of July, um, nine or nineteen twenty twenty. They they had their first visit to my home, mm. and as I said, I walked in. Do you know, like sometimes if you wake up or if you're stirred and you might get dots in your eyes, it actually looked like there was dots all over my eyes, but it wasn't. It's just the room is so white, just thousands upon thousands of ants.
4: And up the walls was it up the curtains, yeah.
15: It was the blinds. The blinds are so white, but it was just dots everywhere up the windows, crawling. And I just started screaming. So my husband said, what's wrong? And I said, oh, my goodness, look, look what's there. Look what's there. So he said, "Okay, calm down, calm down. So um, he went to get some fly spray from under the sink. Mm. which we always have for blue bottles and stuff like that. But uh, there was only one can and like football was there, we needed a hell of a lot more. So there was a polish, you know, like furniture polish. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, look, start spraying this. And he was looking at me, air freshener. I didn't care. Just once they stopped moving, um, once they stopped coming in. But the thing was, PJ, we couldn't figure out where they were coming in from. It yeah. was the corner of the sunroom. There was no cracks in the walls or they were coming from the scratching. So to cut a long story short, we used air freshener, deodorant, and furniture polish, <laughs> blue bottle spray, just to stop these guys from coming. So about two hours into it, um, they stopped moving. They all sort of froze. We were all nearly fumigating ourselves. and It was like toxic sunroom. But... um. They just stopped. They stopped coming in. So we sealed the corner of it with kitchen roll and we started to put down um, more spray on the kitchen roll to stop them from coming in. So about two black bags later, we cleaned up the sunroom and um, went to bed that night and woke up the following day. And uh, there was only one or two. Right. Which was great. My prayers had been answered, and I was just delighted. So for the rest of the summer, like coming to August and start September, I used to get up every morning and automatically walk to see if they were going to be there. Do you know what I mean? Did, but did they, they weren't, and they were gone. No, they didn't. They were gone. So I was praising. I was praising the um, polish and the air freshener and the deodorant. <laughs> but lo and behold, I said they came like COVID. Lo and behold, again, PJ, um, July gone. Thirty first of July, 2021. Yeah. Here we are at home this time when they arrived. But see, the thing is, we were lucky the first year and also last year because we were there in time to catch them. If we weren't, PJ, like if we'd gone on a two-week holiday or if we'd been out of the house for a few days, like they would have really taken over the house. Do you get me? I do, They course. only came in and the fact we were there, we could stop it. Yeah. So when they came the second time, panic station hit, but what I thought was weird was exactly the same date, exactly 12 months between the both. I just thought, oh my goodness, this isn't even funny. Like yeah. So basically why I said I guarantee you is I'm hoping they won't come back this year.
4: How did you get rid of them last year?
15: What we did last year was I said, I'm not going down the shoe polish part. So we rang pest control straight away. And um, I think it was a Friday evening we rang them and he was there first thing Saturday morning. And um, he came in and he just explained that there could be a nest underneath. He went out the back of the house and checked. No cracks, no nothing. He said, they're obviously under. So I said, yeah, but I said like... um do you think no he said it wouldn't be weird like to the day they came back because that's their breathing time he said so if the nest is under there the nest is going to go nowhere so they will come off within the 12 months of breathing again so he actually sprayed like a big canister in the corner where they were after coming from he sprayed all the sunroom corners he did the joints he did the cracks he did the stonework now he did everything and like he said the full tank container was gone and he said usually like they don't to use maybe quarter or one eighth of it so he used the whole spank and he said I will never expect you to see an ant here again. I said I hope not. I said I'm dreading it I'm glad. Gladwell he said not a hope. He yeah. said there's so much gone in now. He said this would do like a mansion he said a house ten times this size and I'd still have some left over. So he said look if you do have a problem there's my card but I know I won't be hearing from you. So I was relieved and my husband was relieved and so um, up to bed we went that night and um, I don't know why, I was a bit a bit like, mm, will they come back, won't they come back, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. So the following morning when I got up, no, there wasn't thousands, there wasn't hundreds, but there was still a few dozen of the guys after coming back. Oh, God. So I shouted the stairs, I said, you won't believe this, I said, they're actually back again. Oh, God. Yeah. So I rang pest control and um, he thought I was joking. I said, no, I'm not. So he came back uh, with another container of this spray again. But he also then like sealed the joints. with it was like a sticky residue. He said, yes. if they come to come out, they will hit this. And like, they don't like this because it's going to, eventually kill them so they'll they'll scurry back back to the nest but when they're going back to the nest they're bringing this with them so yeah. they'll kill yeah. whatever's down there so and then he also gave us um like little star shaped plastic um shapes like to put in each corner of the room he said leave them down for about a week yeah. and um hopefully that should do the job so that night when I was going to bed I felt a little bit better because he had sealed it and put plastic triangles but to cut the long story short when we got up, when I got up the following morning that was if we didn't see them anymore right. and after about a week you know, like still through the whole of the summer I was still checking and going around it. and like at some stage I thought I saw something move when there was nothing there, do you know that kind know, of way? I
4: know well, I don't mind telling you, Susan, that you're telling a story with which I'm very familiar, because oh. I had them in my house for a few summers, uh, for a few days at a time, and maybe a week, and then they went away again. And you like did everything like you're saying. I threw everything at them, and there were yeah. people uh, in the a park up the road. I know. I got. I remember. I remember saying it on the show, and I got mm-hmm. calls from Broaddale to say they were mm. up there. I got calls mm. from Carrigaline to say they were there. Someone mm. came up with the idea that that whole hill back along is just one big anthill. But then it stopped and I haven't okay. seen them in maybe a few years now. But it, okay. they're coming back when they breed, but your, your your pest control friend is is right. Like they may or may not move on. They may they may they may abandon that nest and build another one somewhere else.
15: Well they're better because if they're coming back this year I'm moving, do you know what I mean? Honestly, like my house is gleaming and like I, I, I wouldn't be like a person to spill a juice and leave it sticky. Do you know the way like you draw flies and stuff like that? I just want like we're there over 20 years and they've just so happened to come for the last two years. Do you know yeah. what I mean?
4: And, and you're hoping that they won't be back for the hat trick. No. No doubt there's someone listening to us who, who knows yeah. exactly what this is about and who's been there. Um, we're, we're, we're not saying where you live um, but mm. but I am very familiar with it as I said I had it here for a couple of
3: years
15: well I think I, I think now PJ you sent him down my way because you said <laughs> Douglas area and if you go down from Douglas people will figure out but I think you sent him down to us so I'll send them back to you
4: <laughs> well look Susan if anybody can help uh, if anybody can Perfect. solve it there may be something you can do to to stop them coming back to prevent them. Correct. To prevent them. No, the back. pest
15: control gentleman did say that it might be. Um, I could look into getting some extra. F- like I was looking stupid at him. I said, "Yeah, if we need that." And my husband was like, "That's a big job. That's fine. We'll get it done." He did say the pest control gentleman did say that he did hear of one or two people get um, some more foundation. Pull off your pull off your Pavement from around your sunroom, and uh, let them d- dig down and put in some more yeah. foundation to pack it up.
4: That that that's kind of drastic.
15: Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it.
4: <laughs> well, hopefully you won't have to. Hopefully <laughs> someone has has an idea.
15: Yeah, hopefully PJ. So if there's anyone listening,
4: you have a few months, yeah, <laughs> at least to get ready for them. But I know I I remember okay. it. I would come down in the morning. To have oh. the breakfast, and there they are trooping up the wall. <laughs>
15: oh my goodness! I'd be gone. i be go- as I'm speaking to you, now. I'm itching to you know that kind of way.
4: <laughs> I know, no, I do. I know how I know how you yeah, feel, and that, but they eventually went away and never came back.
15: They did. They only stay for twenty four hours. They're not allowed in my house.
4: <laughs> Susan, take care and thanks.
15: Perfect. Thank you so much.
4: Yeah, someone just um messaged in there to say uh, that put down fresh mint. Fresh mint, and they'll go away. Yeah. But it's very common. There's a whole stretch between the bottom of Maryborough Hill, right up Maryborough, past where I live, past the golf course, past Broaddale, right up over Monagourney, down into Carrigaline. And I remember this because the last time we discussed this, I came on one morning frustrated. I haven't found them yet again. Uh, and and someone went to say there's a like that whole place is. I eventually brought something home that I got on my holidays and I was over in Spain, and I bought two cans of this powder, and they used to take off the skirting boards where there was a problem, take off the skirting board and literally empty a can of powder into it. That eventually got rid of them. Uh, fresh mint. Right, couple of things. Yeah, uh, on there's an email. On Thursday, 17th of February, my daughter's car broke down somewhere between the Mercy Hospital and Paul Street Car Park. She was effed and blinded and blown at by all and sundry, except for a really kind girl in a Jeep who stopped to offer comfort and support. Two very nice guards pushed the car off the road and one very nice gentleman took time to get her car going and drove it for her to Paul Street Car Park. He then walked away she didn't get his name or the name of the guards or of the woman who helped but the kindness of those people was so very much appreciated she was able to forget about all the abuse that she received. Be so grateful if our gratitude could be mentioned on your show at some time. Kind regards from a mum. Thanks mum and whoever got involved with that, you you, you may remember the thing if you were there came across a woman whose car was broken down. I'll read Ray's message before we go, that's because that's a nice one. 0818 96, 96, 96. Jerry, good morning. Hi PJ, how are you? Good. Jerry Milan. The Bond Delusion. This sounds like something I want to see.
16: Well uh yeah I hopefully everyone will want to see it. Um it's basically because it's a uh, it's cork made uh with cork actors Cork produced and um, on actually no budget whatsoever. So we're really plugging it big time because uh, the launch is uh, on the twenty third. Well, this Wednesday in Clancy's at seven thirty upstairs, uh, free to come in once you put your name down and the kind of yeah. Or at this stage, actually, we have a guest at this stage, if you if you get in early, there's mm. that there should be no problem.
4: Now it stars you and you made the movie.
16: I did well uh, what happened was myself and an actress called no- Noelle Clark in 2019 we we shot the movie we had a company called Jane Productions and Noelle is in, is in Wicklow at the moment and basically we just um, we had a load of gear we hadn't a clue how to kind of really do much of anything we had to figure out um, everything ourselves um, I had spent about 20 grand on stuff I just had I kind of said no. Was the kind of time to, to go for it so we were there with the cinema cameras and all our, our bits and pieces the two of us trying to figure out everything while being in the film as well um, and as I said yeah I wrote it and directed it um, and it even has its own original band tune then um, as well done by a court musician Jason Driscoll mm-hmm. and so yeah that's basically it's just a crazy wacky spin on the bond so, uh, franchise
4: it's not James Bond it's Paddy O'Sullivan who <laughs> yes <laughs> escapes escapes from a mental institution and as thinks, do to do and thinks he's James Bond as you do, and then goes on his
16: travels. Basically, and uh, he also, he has three ties, that were his daughter's ties, and he hears, he's kind of hearing voices as well, poor guy. So he thinks one of the ties is Q, one is M, and one is a Spanish guy called Sanchez, because luckily for me, I speak fluent Spanish. Um, long story. So I do the voices of all the ties as well. So this poor guy is going around. He thinks he has a whole kind of crew with him. And then the twist is for some reason, which is kind of revealed, because there's a few twists, a whole load of baddies come after him. So we're all kind of going, my God, what's going on? Like, is he actually <laughs> from, from, about or From
4: where in your demented head did you drag this?
16: There's no one that's not demented. My head, <laughs> Um It's just, um, I'm that sort of guy. I think the, like the, the 1% that no one else would kind of go to is just the 100% of my brain. So... Um, these things just, it, it just came as a, fo- as a kind of a short idea for a four-page a four kind of sketch I was blocked, I'd never written before, and it just mushroomed into a feature. And um, what can I say? <laughs> and,
4: and how long is it?
16: It's 75 minutes if you include um, the kind of, because it, it even has the bit of, at the typical bond start, we have a bit of action, then you have the full bond tune just like you would Really? In the Bond movie, do you know? Right. Yeah, so it has the full kind of setup. Oh, so this isn't
4: like a 10-minute ha- short. Like, this is a full movie.
16: But that's the crazy thing. I mean, and really, again, what I'm trying to say to people, the kind of inspiration I'm trying to say here is like, you know, you can just go out and try and do it. Like, I mean, I we just figured it out as we went along. Do you yeah. know what? The actors all came in, did it for free. Like, it, it can be done. And just, you know, go for it. I mean, I was two years trying to edit this thing because... We didn't get to finish it because of the pandemic. So there was about 5% of the movie wasn't shot. The (laughs) end bit, some of the end wasn't shot. I had to edit it together from what I had. I had unbelievable um, things I couldn't have conceived of when I was editing it as well that I just had to overcome. But look, they were all overcome. And, you know, at its level for what it is, you know, I think we we did very well. And um, my dream going forward, really is um, what I would love to do after this if people could see the potential in it is to try and see could I get possibly a bigger venue that somebody could donate and even and down the line really it's investors you know I'll be putting up a website soon of my own stuff and I have other crazy stuff as well I also did um, there's a guy called Dennis who wrote a short called Virus Hunter so I also did a thing about a guy who's running around placing a car about COVID-19 another kind of crazy comedy as well you so go. I have tons of these ideas
4: well you know what? I think it's brilliant to see someone bring an idea like that to fruition upstairs in Clancy's on on Wednesday. And who knows where you'll go after that. Jerry, Goodman, Jerry O'Malan, J.N. Productions, The Bond Delusion is the movie uh, being premiered in Clancy's on Wednesday. I have a feeling, you know, that we'll talk about this again, and they'll be selling tickets for it somewhere in a bigger place because it sounds like such a load of fun thank you Jerry and good luck to all involved 0818 okay Ray says I got a bus and there was a group of young girls on the bus and I could hear a conversation between the bus driver and one of the young people there was a bit of a kerfuffle over change and money and when one girl came up the stairs she was crying she was 16 or 17 she threw her books down on the seat and phoned her mum Fair dues to a guy who went up to the driver and told him he was out of order. Then I became conscious she'd have to pass the same driver on the way out. I went up but I said, that young girl has to pass you now and you had no right to speak to her like that. To be better if you said nothing. I was quite pleasant about it, but then felt I had to ring cap well, as this is not the way to do things. Maybe that bus driver is listening to your station and to other people who have issues over power. And it was all because of PJ. I don't think I'd have said it. It wasn't for hearing so often that you should stand up and be counted when you see power being abused. Well, Ray, thank you for that. It was nothing to do with me, it was you did it. And good man. And well done. Thanks for that. Right. Um who we got? Claire. Hello. Hi,
12: PJ. How My are daughter you? thinks you're daddy. She's mad to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm what? She thinks that your daddy on the phone, she wants to talk to you. Okay.
4: This, this <laughs> like,
12: it's not dad on the phone, she wants me to put you on loudspeaker. <laughs> Hello, Margot.
4: <laughs> How are you, PJ? Good, good, good. All right, tell me where Fiona is. I am is, in on the a-
0: centre of a village on the north side of the city. I'm beside a church and a river, and ahead of me is a shopping centre. Where am I? Where is she? She's in Blackpool, I think.
4: Did, yeah, did you write a poem?
0: I kind of did, as if I've nothing better to be doing. Do you want to give me
4: a line or two?
12: <laughs> Don't be a fool, the answer is black pool. I need a new couch, the old one gives me an ouch. In the backside, I have to confide, PJ's the best, I'll off my chest. While I sit in my new settee, I'll be all happy and giddy.
4: There you go. You set a standard for Monday. Yeah. 500 euro voucher to give away to <laughs> you be today. tomorrow
12: again with another phone. <laughs> from the Furniture
4: Centre, Watercourse Road, uh, Claire Collin in Dunmanway. Thanks, Claire, and hello to Margot. No, this is not Daddy on the phone. <laughs> 0818969696. That's it. We're done. What a Monday. What a busy day. Program edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and produced from the search by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow just after nine.
3: Can we just talk?
1: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm,
2: life, and health insurance. CMIG.ie.